0: Well, good day, fellowship family. It's good to be with you as we get into God's word. And I've missed you. I really have. And I've missed this place. Isn't that kind of weird? But I decided not to teach out of my home today, but rather to come back to church. I just like the place. And so I'm kind of in a weird place. We're kind of looking out over the side of the worship center. But uh, I just uh, wanted to be back here for a while. And I'm praying. I'm praying that we'll be able to gather here soon. I want to do this. I want to do this with sensitivity, I want to do this wisely, but I'm praying for the day when we can join together. I'm really anticipating that day. So it's good to have you uh, get into God's word with us as we do that throughout this weekend. So we're talking about this whole concept of faithful. And what does it look like to be a faithful follower of Jesus with with the finances or the money that God has given us? And I know that a lot of us are worried or concerned about um, what's happening in the area of financial uh, piece or the situation of our, our checkbooks and things like that. And many of us are, have lost our jobs or our income has decreased or it's just stopped altogether. And so I think it's relevant for us to get into God's word and be reminded of the things money could never buy. And then that perspective then could help us in the area of our finances. And last week we talked about the most we can do with our finances is to pray, Right? And, and when we pray, we recognize who God is. We thank Him for what He's done. We we seek His wisdom. We ask Him, as children, ask their loving Heavenly Father. And then we remember the the people around us in need, the the least, the last, and the lost. And so, as we think about that now, we're going to move on towards a vision a vision for our finances. And as we begin, I just want you to think about what's that word when you think about vision. You, it's, it's, it's difficult to think about that word without a picture of what you see. And that's really what that definition is. It's a picture of what I see when everything's operating the way it should. And, and we have a vision, whether or not you realize it or not, you have a vision for a lot of things in your life. And many of us have an unspoken, but very real vision for our money and finances. And the, the reality of that is, is, is that God does too. He has a vision for everything he's entrusted to us. And so what we want to do is we want to come to God today in his word and ask and seek his vision. Because Jesus taught about the vision that God has for everything he's given us. And the phrase that he used to talk about the vision of God for everything that we have is called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is really, if you want to know what that means, it really means life as God intended it to be. Everything about life. The, the things we have, the air we breathe, the gospel we re, we've received, the gifts God has given us, the abilities, our time, our energy, all that. It, when it's functioning the way God intended it to be, that's God's vision for us. That, that his heart and our lives, they look the same. And so when we look at this vision, we're going to learn from Jesus about this vision called the kingdom of God. And we're going to learn about three values, and then we're going to have a response to that. Okay, so where do I want you to go in God's word today? Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. As I looked at Luke chapter 12, this is a very challenging passage, and perhaps one of the most challenging in the area of finances and all the vision that we have for finances, because our world has a vision, doesn't it? And and in all of our media bites, in all of our commercials, in all of our our feeds that we read online, there's always things being marketed to us. And it's not just the things, it's the vision that those things will bring in your life. And so the kingdom of God is what Jesus teaches us. And this kingdom of God, he's going to talk to us about three values here, beginning in verse 13. So let's look at verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. Okay, so Jesus is teaching and look what it says. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, so Jesus Jesus is teaching in the crowd and someone whose father just died uh, didn't get what he expected from the inheritance from his father. Something to do with his brother. So he wanted Jesus to speak to his brother and say, hey, you better be good. You better make this fair. But what does Jesus say to him? He says, Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator between or over you? In other words, Jesus said, don't make me that. Don't pull me into this conversation because there's something more than what you're seeking. So this is what he does. Look at verse 15. He says, and he said to them, so he's no longer just talking to the man who spoke up. And by the way, that's not a great place to be. Could you imagine if Jesus was teaching, you asked a question and then he goes, okay, let's talk about that with the whole crowd. <laughs> I mean, it's, kind of humiliating. But Jesus is calling out the two counter kingdoms that are at work here, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, light and darkness. And Jesus is calling us to his kingdom. And so he says to them, take care. Or in other, in other words, be warned or be on your watch and, and be on your guard against all covetousness. And then he makes a statement. Why? Why should we be concerned about that? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Jesus is making a value statement here. And ultimately, he's going to teach now that that a faithful follower values the treasure of Christ over the riches of this world. Okay, So ultimately, he's saying, look, what I have to give you is going to be so much more valuable than whatever money could buy for you, that that needs to be something that doesn't just lead your life, it transforms everything about you, who you are and what you have. And so Jesus is going to teach this and he goes into a parable, which is a story that he kind of shares with them a higher value and a deeper teaching. Let's take a look at that. Look at verse 16 with me. And so he told them a parable saying, the land of a certain rich man produced plentifully And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Isn't that a difficult problem? It's kind of like us going, Hey, I have no place to store all this cash. I have no place to put all these coins. What a huge problem. And so he said, I will do this. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Okay, so that's not necessarily wrong. That's not necessarily wrong. as he was being blessed, that he built larger things. That's, larger is, is not, if you have a little and you're, and you're evil with a little, it's still evil, right? So that wasn't the issue. Here's the issue. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 19. It says, and I will say to my soul, look what he says to his soul. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Okay, so look at how he found that security. You got so many things. Look at, look at the attitude he took on. This is what Jesus confronts. He says, relax, eat, drink, be merry. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, fool. See, this was his life. God was calling them to the kingdom, but he was interested in being chill or comfortable what he ate, what he was drinking, and how much pleasure he was getting. And so Jesus said, this very night, this night, your soul is required of you, and the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? And the answer to this question is, it's kind of a rhetorical question, Jesus doesn't answer it, but the answer is ultimately, they won't be his anymore, right? And so that's why Jesus was saying, that's why Jesus was saying, no, for to be consumed with a greed for more, to find your security in having more than enough, so that Life is nothing more than you chilling out and being comfortable, eating what you want, drinking what you want, and having the most pleasure that you can. This is what Jesus's final statement was. Look at verse 21. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Okay. That's the picture. That's the picture. Someone we're all called into treasuring Christ over the riches of this world. What does it mean to treasure Christ? Well, Let's take a look at some other passages that mention it. Paul says in Philippians 3, 8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth or value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Uh, Paul lived in multiple worlds. He lived in a Jewish world and a Gentile world. He lived in a wealthy world and he lived in a world of poverty and he said, anything, everything I've experienced, as much as I used to have and as little as I have now, I compare nothing worth knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you know of the treasure you have in Christ? I mean, I know it's so easy to focus that you, you're you wondering, I don't have enough or I won't have enough when I retire or whatever else uh, issue that bothers you about not a feeling that you don't have enough or wanting more. That's kind of an An insatiable desire to always want more and to be greedy, to have good things and more things into our lives. And here we then forfeit the treasure of Christ in our lives. Matthew 16, Jesus says this. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Jesus is teaching the lesson. There is nothing more valuable than your soul. And the soul is the most important part of who we are. Therefore, treasure... The reality that with your soul, you are assured and certain with the treasure of Christ. A faithful follower values the treasure of Christ over the riches of this world. But let's look at this second value and let's keep reading. Okay, and so in verse 22, right after he taught this, he says to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on relation to your clothing. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Remember that first value Jesus said, one's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. Here Jesus is talking not about greed anymore. He's talking about worry. He's talking about worry because we're worried, okay? We're anxious about what we'll eat or what we'll wear, what kind of clothing we will have. And Jesus says, life has to be more than that. And the value that he's going to teach us here is ultimately a faithful follower of Jesus values the kingdom of God over personal property. So many things about eating and what you wear are personal, right? We all have personal taste with what we eat. We all, trust me, we have personal taste in what we wear. And so, so this is so personal about us. And in, in the United States, we have such a a value on personal property and personal expression and personal rights that the kingdom of God is going to get in our face. And it's going to call us to focus more on the kingdom of God than we are ourselves. And so Jesus is going to teach. Look what he teaches again. So he says, consider the ravens. He's going to talk about birds now. They don't sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? Let's just pause there. Um, I, I've studied birds for years and one bird that I'm always fascinated with that whenever it shows up in my yard, I'm all, I mean, I'm zoned in on it. It's the hummingbird. And we're told that hummingbirds have to eat two, two and a half times their weight per day to fuel their body to fly. Now think about that, two and a half times. What if you had to eat two and a half times your weight you know what that would be for me? I'd have to eat 400 pounds of food. We literally would have to be hoarders. Most of our life would be finding food. And we'd all be bankrupt because none of us can find that amount of food and buy that amount of food to eat in a day. Yet that's how birds operate. And yet God provides for them. They don't have a pantry. They don't have a budget for it. It's like uh, Psalm 145 says, God opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every bird's, every living thing. And so Jesus is saying, look, if I take care of the birds and birds, you may never see a bird throughout its lifespan. You may never see a bird, but I care for you because I know you and I love you and I've crafted you in my image. And then Jesus asks another question. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In other words, with all the worry, with all the anxiety that we have, can any of us go, okay, give me one more hour out of our day? None of us can do that. None of us can. Because we may all have different amounts of money that we have and different amounts of possessions, but none of us can add an hour to the day. None of us can. And, said, and Jesus says then, if you're not able to do this, as small a thing as that, then why are you anxious about the rest? And then look at how he continues. And consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. And we'll just finish this out. He says, and, and do not seek what you're, what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, instead, seek the kingdom of God, and or seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Okay, so we looked at the ravens. Now we look at the, the flowers of the field. You know, you may be driving down the highway or driving in a, on a road here in town and look and see flowers blooming and some of us will see those, others of us won't, but God knows. And he clothes the fields, and yet he shows us his beauty, and he sustains those, and they they, they bloom and show such beauty, and yet, yet he's saying, if I take care of that, which tomorrow they'll die, you who will live forever, I'm going to take care of you. So for those of us who are anxious and worried, Jesus is reminding us of his kingdom. Remember, his kingdom, his kingdom of God over Anything we're lacking, we have the kingdom of God. If you have Jesus, you have the kingdom of God. All right, let's keep reading here now because Jesus then finishes it. Verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay, so that kingdom he's talking about, God loves to give it to us who ask. And so verse 33 then are the ramifications of the kingdom in our lives. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For here's that point. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, so let's just try to get our minds around this. Jesus is. we started out with a rich man who had so many things that his barns wore out and he had to build new barns. And here Jesus is saying, no, when my kingdom and my treasure is in your life, Ultimately, your life is in a trajectory where your money bags, ultimately your eternal wealth in God. It never, it never grows old, And a treasure that's never going to, even though the stock market crashes, that treasure in Christ, it's in the heavens, it's not on earth, it won't fail. And no one can take it from you. No thief approaches and nothing, nothing can destroy it. It's kept in heaven for you. So therefore, so therefore, treasure Find your treasure because your heart always follows your treasure. You, if, if I followed your spending, I'd find your heart. If I followed where your mind is processing, I'd find your heart. If I looked at your internet browsing history, I would find your heart because it's with those things that we seek out interest, that we're easily distracted from, that call us in, that promise a vision for our lives that's different from the kingdom of God. And so we come back to this simple thing, that that a a faithful follower of Jesus values eternity even over the span of your life. Okay, so let's bring this together as we finish this whole conversation up. If Jesus is teaching that it's much better to value the treasure of Christ over the riches of this world, then a faithful follower lives in a way that receives and lives the treasure of Christ. Let me just ask you right now before we move on, whether you're part of fellowship or whether you're just watching right now and and connecting with us from around the area, around the United States, have you received the treasure of Christ? The scriptures and Jesus was very clear. This is nothing that we earn, nothing that we deserve, nothing that we can, can be good enough to get in with. This is something we can only receive. We have the riches of God in Jesus. Jesus lived for us. He died for us, he rose again for us. And so coming to him and receiving this treasure is not something that's owed us, it's something though that's given, freely given to us at a great cost to God that all we have to do is receive it. And you and I can receive that by faith. Faith is trusting in Jesus to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. So I just wanna encourage you, if you're here at this point in your life where you've realized, I want the treasure of Christ, but how do I get it? It's not in going to church. It's not in being a good person. It's in trusting Jesus who lived and died for you. Right now, you can receive this treasure by simply taking a step of faith, asking Jesus who lived for you and died for you and rose again for you to forgive your sins and restore you back to God. And and you can do that just by a prayer, a quick prayer. Jesus, thank you for living and dying and rising for me. I believe in you and I receive the treasure of forgiveness, the treasure of relationship, the treasure of your character in my life. If that's you, please let us know. Please let us know, so because we have a book for you we'd love to give you and encourage you as you begin this walk with the greatest treasure that you've found, the treasure of Jesus Christ. And if you've received this treasure, live this treasure. Is Jesus the greatest thing about Jews? You? you can lose everything in this world, and that's exactly what first-century Christians did. They lost everything in this world, but because they had Christ, they could have joy and they could have hope. When you have the treasure of Christ, you can lose a lot of things around you and still be rich with God. And so, the second value of this is, if 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 we're to value the kingdom of God over personal property, then then what Jesus is teaching us is, is, then, is that a living faithfully then seeks the king and his kingdom. And the only thing I, I want to say on this, it's so easy to love the things of God without loving God. Of seeking what God gives us, he gives us peace. He gives us, he gives us joy. He gives us hope. But we don't necessarily want him. That's kind of like if you fell in love with the ring, but not the person to marry. Ready? I mean, that, that's, that's a picture of what it could be of wanting a rich person without wanting a relationship with a wealthy person. And, and Jesus is really calling us to him first, because when we seek him first, all these other things will be added to us. And so right now, what are you seeking right now? Jesus is calling us to seek the kingdom of God. And in order to seek the kingdom of God, we've got to seek the king, the leader, the, the one over his kingdom. We need to allow to let him rule in our lives and to lead us. And the final thing that I want to share with you is if we're called to eternity over our lifespan, then, then here's a word. I'm going to give you a phrase, but I'm going to explain it. Then living faithfully ultimately means leveraging the dash for the things that last. Now, when you think about the dash, let me just put one up there on the screen. This dash represents the day you were born with the day that you die. Okay, and so this dash is everything that happens in between. If you were to go to a cemetery today, you would see the dash. You would see a day when they were born and a day that they died. And right now, if we're all still living now here, this is the dash. This is what we're living and, and if I view time as something that's eternal and that I'm an eternal being, which we are, every one of us, our souls will live. That's why our souls are the most important parts of us. It, our souls, if we're leveraging everything in this life for the next, then that kingdom of God will continue. It won't be a, a cold start when we die. It will be a continuation. And so when we leverage this dash, we're living for eternity. And we're living now doing small things, small things like loving people, like sharing the gospel with them, like living and making, making short-term decisions that will have long-term consequences. You know, Fellowship Bible Church, our mission is helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because we believe everyone lasts forever. And a relationship with God, with the treasure of Christ, seeking the kingdom of God, Leveraging everything you have in the temporal for the eternal is true life. That's life as God intended it to be. That's the vision of faithfulness. What does this have to do with everything God has given us? Well, it means that our lives are best when when they're all in on the things money could never buy. And once you get over money, you can get into the kingdom of God in, 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 in that vision for the kingdom of God. Once you get over money's claw on you, you can live freely in God's kingdom. Once you get over of the distraction of money or the feeling of security or self-importance or the worry or anxiety, once you can get over that, you can finally seek the kingdom of God. Because when you seek the kingdom of God first, all these other things have their rightful place. Wherever God has you right now, I just want to trust you into that kingdom of God, as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And as we think about that, I just want to pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person who is connecting with us and seeking your kingdom right now. Thank you for showing us a picture of the values of your kingdom and for calling us to be people of your kingdom. Lord, wherever we're at right now, Lord, I just pray that that you would make your kingdom come in our lives and on this earth as it is in heaven. And may we be people, people who are showing to everyone around us that that we have the treasure of Christ, not arrogantly, but, but we're living because we're sacrificial giving, we're sacrificially loving, we're sacrificially turning away from the things of this world to the things that last forever. God, his word, people. And may Jesus be honored and glorified in all that we do. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hmm.
1: Were you listening to Pastor Joe's message and maybe something struck a chord? I remember being a youth pastor, and one of the things I used to do with my student leaders is I used to take them out to a graveyard um, right before sunrise. And I would have them go around and read Headstones. And then we would go have breakfast and I would ask them, if their life could be recorded on only a headstone, what would it say? What did they want it to say? And how could they live their life today so that what was recorded on their headstone would be what they wanted? Well, here's one thing for sure. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then what's there in your headstone will be all that can be written. It will end right there. And so if you made the decision to follow Christ um, during Joe's message, I want to encourage you to text FBC1 to 41411. Not because we want a lot of information from you, but simply because we want to walk beside you and help you take your next step. If maybe your next step is baptism, if you've already stepped over the line of faith and placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Well, you know what? Next week, we're excited. We're going to be telling you how we can get that done even during this time of physically uh, distancing. So make sure to also text us at FBC1 at 414111. And we would love to set that up for you. Or maybe you've stepped across the line of faith and you've been baptized and you're wondering, what is my next step? Here's my challenge for you. Ask yourself, if you were to die today, what would your headstone say? Is that what you would want it to say? And how can you begin living today so that what is said, just in those few short words, really match the goal that you had? We want to continue to power up, pour in, and spill out. Now we're going to toss to Keelan for a children's message.